a focus summary of chapters 29 to 31 of Pride and Prejudice. Mr. Collins feels a triumph at having the opportunity to display the grandeur of his patroness and her civility toward him and his wife so soon, and scarcely anything else is talked about all the next day. When the ladies set off to dress for dinner, he offers Lizzie the dubious reassurance that she need not be uneasy about her inelegant apparel, and he recommends her to be quick, since Lady Catherine does not like to be kept waiting. On their walk to Rosings, Elizabeth enjoys the pleasing prospects, but she cannot be in such raptures as Mr. Collins expects the scene to inspire. As they ascend the steps to the hall, Maria and Sir William feel increasingly frightened, but Lizzie, unawed by the stateliness of rank, is calm. As they enter, Lady Catherine rises to receive them, and Mrs. Collins makes the introductions. Sir William and Maria can only sit in frightened silence, but Elizabeth, who feels equal to the scene, is able to observe the ladies composedly. Lady Catherine's self-important manner leads her to believe that she is exactly as Wickham represented. Mr. Berg, pale and sickly, speaks little and only in a low voice to Mrs. Jenkinson, who dotes on her protectively. Mr. Collins praises every dish of the handsome dinner with enthusiasm, Sir William echoing everything he says. Elizabeth finds their manner unbearable, but Lady Catherine appears gratified by the excessive admiration. There is little conversation otherwise. Charlotte is engaged in listening to Lady Catherine, Mrs. Jenkinson spends her time hovering over Mr. Berg, and Maria is too afraid to speak. After dinner, the ladies return to the drawing room, where they listen to Lady Catherine talk without interruption, as she delivers a number of decisive opinions and gives a great deal of advice. She then interrogates Elizabeth with a series of impertinent questions and condescending comments about her family and her upbringing. Elizabeth answers her questions with self-assured directness and brushes off her criticisms with wry amusement, astonishing Lady Catherine, who is unaccustomed to having anyone dare to trifle with so much dignified impertinence. When the card tables are placed and the gentlemen join them, the rest of the evening passes much as it had begun, the young ladies hardly speaking, Lady Catherine pontificating, Mr. Collins agreeing, and Sir William quietly storing his memory with anecdotes and noble names. The coach is called, and as soon as they depart, Elizabeth is asked for her opinion on Rosings. For Charlotte's sake, she offers a more favorable impression than she feels, but Mr. Collins finds it insufficient and takes over praising her ladyship himself. After a week at Huntsford, Sir William returns home and Elizabeth is thankful to discover that his departure does not mean she has to see Mr. Collins more often. She spends time with Charlotte in her parlor, and has to credit her with cleverness when she realizes the room was chosen specifically for its inferiority, since that made it less likely that her husband would join her there. Mr. and Mrs. Collins make almost daily walks to Rosings, and now and then they are honored with a call from Lady Catherine, who spends her visits in minute examining, fault-finding, and advising. Elizabeth learns this is a service she offers not just to Mr. and Mrs. Collins, but to every cottager in the parish. The entertainment of dining and cards at Rosings is repeated about twice a week, 
and Elizabeth enjoys her other evenings walking along the open grove that edges the park, where she feels beyond the reach of Lady Catherine's curiosity. Elizabeth hears that Mr. Darcy is expected soon at Rosings, and though she would prefer almost any other of her acquaintances, she looks forward to the novelty and to the amusement of seeing the hopelessness of Miss Bingley's designs on him. When he arrives, Mr. Collins hastens to Rosings to pay his respects, and to everyone's surprise, he returns in the company of Darcy himself, and a cousin he had brought, Colonel Fitzwilliam. Charlotte credits their visit to the presence of Elizabeth, saying they would never have come so soon for her sake. The gentlemen enter, and Elizabeth can see at a glance that Colonel Fitzwilliam is every bit the gentleman, while Mr. Darcy looks just as he had been used to look in Hertfordshire. He meets Elizabeth with composure, and she curtsies to him without saying a word. Colonel Fitzwilliam converses pleasantly and with ready ease, and after some time Darcy inquires about Elizabeth's family. She takes the opportunity to test him, asking whether he ever happened to see her sister in London. He says, with an appearance of confusion, that he did not have the pleasure. The subject is pursued no further, and the gentlemen soon go away. The ladies feel that Colonel Fitzwilliam will add considerably to their engagements at Rosings, but it is not until a week later that they are invited to come. They are received civilly by Lady Catherine, but she spends the evening engrossed by her nephews, and especially by Mr. Darcy. Colonel Fitzwilliam seems really glad to see them, since Elizabeth had caught his fancy very much. The two speak so long, and with such flow and spirit, as to draw the attention of Darcy and Lady Catherine herself, who inserts herself into the conversation from across the room, contributing her usual boastfulness and condescension. When coffee is over, Colonel Fitzwilliam reminds Elizabeth of a promise to play for him, and he pulls up a chair next to her as she sits down at the piano. When Darcy approaches and stations himself straight in front of her, she asks if he has come to frighten her in all this state, and warns that her courage rises at any attempt to intimidate her. Darcy dismisses the accusation as wryly as it was made. It is the start of more of that Elizabeth and Darcy repartee that is too subtly clever to be condensed. She playfully mocks him to Colonel Fitzwilliam for, at that first ball, having danced only four dances and left many ladies without a partner. He says he knew no one outside of his own party, and she says sarcastically that no one can be introduced in a ballroom. He claims he does not possess a talent for casual conversation, and she speaks meaningfully about how her lack of talent in piano comes from her own unwillingness to practice, and he makes a quick-witted comment about how neither of them perform to strangers. Lady Catherine then injects herself again, and when she makes a comment about Mr. Berg, Elizabeth watches Darcy closely for any symptom of love. She does not find one, and decides he would have been as likely to marry Miss Bingley if she had been his relation. Lady Catherine makes remarks about Elizabeth's performance, and Elizabeth receives them with forbearance, until the carriage comes to take them home.